you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Today, we've got three expert corners in one with this panel. So I will go ahead and kick it off um, to Sangram, and he will take it from there. Awesome. Thank you, Eden. So... As we have, it, it was, I'll be very honest, I was nervous about this um, and I'm no longer nervous about it because we had like a 10 minutes of powwow with Oliver, Jill and Daryl. And I'm like, wait a minute, CFOs, you guys are kind of funny. Like, you know, it's not, not standard, like, you know, for what? So <laughs> I just want you all to just drop in as we start with Jill for introduction, a quick intro of her and a little bit of her background and data, uh, and then Oliver bring us home on a quick intro. But I would love for everybody just to drop in. What do they think about CFOs? These are really cool kids. Like they are good at taking any joke. So just drop in in your note in, in the chat. Like, what do you think CFO does, or what do you think of CFO? So let's let's start with that. But Jill, kick us off. Morning, everyone. Thank you for having me. This is really super exciting. So I'm going to date myself right out of the gate. First of all, I am not a regular CFO. I'm a cool CFO. So if you know that <laughs> movie, then give me a you know, thumbs up. I raised a millennial and that movie was part of her life. So um, look the quote up if you don't know. But thank you for having me. Um, I work for a little company in Phoenix, Arizona called Televerdi, and our most exciting part of what we do is our workforce is primarily felons that are currently or formerly incarcerated. So I've been with the company just over two years, and this has been an interesting journey because it feels a lot like you want to be a nonprofit, but no, we are totally for profit. So balancing that act um, has been probably my best CFO challenge at this company. And I really, really take it to heart where I get up every day, uh, particularly in a pandemic, and I think I cannot let these 500 women down. Because sometime over the next 10 years, they're going to get out of jail and they need to have a job in sales, in marketing, and they need to make good money and they need to break the cycle. Our recidivism rate of our community is so far below the metrics, you would just be blown away. And so as a CFO, um, I really have to watch everything for the sense that I need those people um, to change lives. And so that's what we do every single day. So thank you for having me. Wow. Daryl, you're going to follow that. Uh, yeah, sure. Give me the thumbs slot. <laughs> um, I'm uh, Daryl Cox. I'm the CFO at uh, Vena and uh, been here for uh, seven years, coming on seven years. Um, but it's every day is like a honeymoon still. I love it here. I'm kind of living the dream because uh, I'm the CFO at a company that sells to finance professionals. And um, it's a unique kind of product in context of this meeting specifically because part of our product, I mean, the point of it, um, it's a platform for business planning is uh, 
it integrates data from across the business. And so I bring data in, or our customers bring in data from marketing, sales, and finance, mash it together and get to the story of what's happening. So it's, it's a great tool for bringing marketing closer to finance, actually, which is um, interesting in context of this panel. And I also wanted to mention that I work with one of the coolest uh, CMOs, and that makes it easy, uh, Allison Monroe, who I believe is a member of this group. And uh, yeah, we'll call out to Allison. Yeah, and thanks for having awesome. me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> excited to have you. Oliver, bring us home. Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, Oliver Bell here. So I'm the CFO at Terminus. So I have the pleasure of working with, with Sangram uh, quite a bit here. This is my first session, however, with him. Um, <laughs> and the topic's great. I mean, we're so we are a um, B2B marketing uh, platform solution. Uh, we are powering uh, sales and go-to-market teams to um, achieve their goals. Um, and uh, we focus on account-based marketing as a segment. So I've been here uh, a little over a year. I started two weeks before COVID hit, if you can believe it. Um, it's transformed our business, how I think about marketing, how I work with our marketing team. Uh, and I've been in the kind of marketing SaaS business for the last 10 years. So I have some perspective, but certainly a lot to learn from, from you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, so this is, again, as I said, like I literally shared with you all three questions. And the point of this is to just have open conversation. We try to keep it intimate and folks jump in because believe it or not, most marketers completely miss building relationship with their CFO. And I believe that is one of the greatest mistakes most marketers make. So just drop in in the notes uh, very quickly. How many of you actually talk to your CFO on a regular basis? Maybe on a once a week, maybe on a like just drop in the, the chat, like how often do you do that? And if you don't, like that's okay, just drop in there because I just wanna get a pulse of how many of you actually do it. And this is a group of obviously merging CMOs and CMOs. So this is absolutely the most important thing. So on the reverse side, you all, Oliver, Jill and Daryl, you saw what people think about, like you guys are the chief fun officer, like that's really cool. Uh, CFOs are like the, uh, like to educate everyone what EBITDA means, like that, <laughs> yeah. How many times have we gone through that equity 101? Um, it's it's all about P&L, like that's, uh, yeah, that that could totally go in the box. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of thoughts on what a CFO is. I'm curious as CFOs, what do you think marketing, what do you think of marketing, each one of you? I'll go first. So uh, chief fun officer, I'm stealing that. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, on the contrary, I'm often called the fun sponge. So I would much rather be the chief fun officer. Um, I think of marketing, um, you know, as squishy. And that is the best word that comes to mind. And I think CFOs that are unwilling to work in that space um, really frustrate marketers where you have to understand as a very black and white, you know, tendency as a CFO, you have to understand that, you know, marketing is not something that is black and white and you have to be able to pivot and you have to create that relationship with your marketer of trust. That's everything is once you have trust, then you have a bridge where a marketer can come and say, you know that really great idea that I passionately sold you on 60 days ago and that you signed that purchase order on? Well, it didn't quite go to plan. <laughs> and you have to be able to have the grace and the open forum and the open door for them to have that conversation 
so that you can pivot quickly and you know spend your dollars elsewhere and that that's not a blame game and that it is not black and white and so squishy is the word that comes to me that you have to be able to have your marketers say i think this and i'm going to try this and all of my experience says this but again at the end of the day it still is something that may not go exactly to plan. Yeah, I'll, I'll let both Oliver and, and Dal jump in, but let me press on that for, for a little bit. As, as Jill, you're mentioning about like who, who, whose responsibility is between a CFO, CMO, or marketing relationship is to, to take that initiative to get to know? Is it a CFO saying, hey, I got to understand what marketing really does so I can figure out what to fund? Or is it the marketer's job to like, hey, let me do my, if I, if I want to build trust, if I want to build relation, I need to go and spend more time with you. I need to share with you. I want to hear what your really concerns are. So we don't have a, a, a day before board meeting uh, conversations around, is this the right budget? Should we really be going on? Whose job is it to spend the time and chase each other to make sure this actually happens? I, guess I can jump. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go, Daryl. I, I was going to say, I think it's, I think it's equal responsibility. And, you know, on the leadership team, um, that, that team needs to, everyone needs to be, needs to be doing their roles and that we need to be working together as one team. Um, and uh, so you can't look at any, any individual in that team and put the responsibility on them to reach out to the other. It's, it's, it's one thing. So um I, you know, as a, and I, as a CFO, need to be returning value as well in that relationship to the marketer and the, and the marketer to me. And I can support them with numbers and, and you know, uh, maintain an agile planning process so that when things do go wrong, and I mean, the only thing for sure about a plan is that it's going to go wrong, <laughs> is that you have a planning process so that you don't have a one-year plan all the time. It's, I mean, aren't focusing on just the one-year plan, but revisiting that plan continually so if a finance leader can support their marketing leader uh, by providing business pro processes and, and a, a platform to experiment and to make mistakes and to, you know, I think, you know, the marketer hopefully has feels more comfortable and can come and, you know, we will build a better relationship that way. I can, I can hop in here. Um... I may be stereotypical in saying this, but uh, as a CFO, I'm very left brain and there are many marketers who are right brained. Uh, not all are, not all CFOs are, but um, there has to be a common framework and understanding of how we, how we work together. And sometimes there is an inherent challenge in that. Um, I certainly, you know, pipeline speaks to me um, and uh, advertising speaks to me. Uh, brand, man, that's, that's harder for me to get my head around, right? And so I've done it long enough to understand, you know, what costs money and where, where, uh, where we need to make investments holistically across marketing. But um, there do, does need to be a bridge on both sides for understanding kind of what my comfort level is from a budget perspective and then also what the marketers are trying to achieve. The way to create that framework is through a budgeting process and through goals, right? So I can understand people hitting and achieving their goals, whether it doesn't have to be a revenue target, it could be customer events or engagement, what have you, as long as we have a common understanding of what those goals are, that to me imputes ROI. And so coming up with that common framework is the best way I would say to engage with me. And as what was said before on, on the panel, um, we do try to be flexible. I mean, we have monthly 
meetings with our marketing team to review the budget. And I'd say, yes, we have an annual spend goal, but at the same time, particularly coming out of COVID and even through COVID, we do try to be agile uh, with. And so I, I, my ask in return is if, if the team is predictable with their spend, they go, they, they spend what they said they're going to, and I can, I can rely on them for that level of trust. I'm willing to be more agile with the budget process because I know there's predictability underlying that. And that's been a huge part uh, of the last um, year, really. And also the challenge, right? Because with COVID it's, it's really hard to have that level of predictability. So, uh, but that's the way I would say I build trust with the marketing team and vice versa. Man, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, there's, there's, there's an important thing you mentioned, Oliver, if I could just mention yeah, this uh, important thing you mentioned there is about the sharing of the, of, of numbers and getting that information. I think that's a key, key part of building a bridge with the finance department, because we are very numbers focused and like Jill said, less, less squishy sometimes um, to just be able to build that bridge with the numbers and not, not, not keep things close to your chest, but to be open and, and share and, and behaving as, as, as or operating and functioning as, as, as like an aligned team is very, uh, very, very helpful that way. That trust. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have like some of the folks because I'm seeing questions already pop in that are better than my questions, but let me just open uh, one question. Like what do marketers to marketers do to get on your naughty list? Like, that's no, no, like that is not what you want your CMO, your marketers to get like, what, what, what is like the pet peeve? Like, I wish marketers didn't do that. Like I wish they would do like, what, what gets you like going and like, oh my God, that's just not what they should do. Uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there are stuff that really crawls up your skin and say, well, I wish they did better than that. The one thing that I, uh, just kills me is manipulated <laughs> metrics. I want to know the real, I want to know the truth. If it is not working or if it is working, if the ROI is right or wrong, it just, that's my love language. And so when you burn that bridge by manipulating metrics, like it's really tough to recover from that. And so I think it goes back to trust where I have spent time making sure that I understand the different components of marketing. Are we talking about a demand gen program? Are we talking about corporate marketing? Are we talking about, you know, something different, branding? You know, this is all different. And the old school CFOs didn't take the time to break that stuff down and really understand that the ROI is not the same. It's not one and done, but there's different levels of what you guys need to do and what you're actually driving. And so I want the real, I, I can understand clicks. I can understand conversion, you know, just help me understand it, you know, and make sure that I understand what success looks like. It was a great point that Oliver said, we do have to know what success is. So tell us, tell us often, and don't manipulate. Make sure that we are getting the real. Bill, when um, you're talking about some of these metrics that you've learned about and they're getting down uh, with, do you watch clicks like with campaigns and things like that? Are you paying attention to how many uh, views something has or sub subscriptions something has? Like how deep I, do you go? It, well, it depends on the business, right? Which is one of the questions on the side. So maybe I can kind of answer and, and help yep. with that. I came from um, a gym uh, business called Mountainside Fitness, biggest gym here in Arizona. 
And in that organization, I worried about the clicks on a weekly basis. I was in it, I understood it, I watched it, I had a dashboard, it was my thing. However, at Televerdi, Deanna's got me. I didn't have a Deanna at Mountainside. So what Deanna, as we built our bridge, she's been with Televerdi um, just over a year, is she showed me that, no, 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 Jill, I got that. And you know that's what my team will do. And I'll let you know if it goes differently according to plan. So I had to pivot in that situation where I don't need to worry about that because I'm going to trust Deanna. Her marble jar with me is full and she will tell me if we need to spend elsewhere and do other things versus when we were at the gym, I didn't have a CMO. And so I had to get down and dirty and really understand that. So what I love about my particular situation now and my relationship I hold with Deanna is she came in and was probably, oh, you know about all that and you know what's going on. Okay. So then she pivoted and she reports accordingly, knowing that I know and I want those metrics and we meet monthly and we talk about it. Depends Thank on the you. industry. Yeah, I, I could I could follow on to that if if uh, and you know I'm I'm lucky at uh, where I'm at now where just like uh, in Jill's situation, um, you know I have a great relationship with my uh, with my Allison and uh, you know she is open and uh, we we have a great sharing of information and um, I don't feel the need to get into detail but there have definitely been situations where you know a, a group. Uh, maybe not marketing some other group um, is, you know, having struggling to uh, to uh, do uh, achieve their objectives with their budget. And so I need to get into more detail and uh, understand the story. And like, do I need to uh, do we need to get them more money to get them past this place? I reallocate resources across the business help out or is there something else like but, you know, we as a, as a leadership team need to understand and my role is to get in there, understand the numbers and uh, bring that to the table and helping us make a better business decision. So if something's going well and you have confidence in it, you don't need to get in as much, um, but maybe sometimes you do need to understand in more detail and that's, uh, you know, you got to refocus your attention as a CFO. That flexibility is impressive. I wouldn't have imagined that a CFO would be getting down to that level of granularity. It's something that I would think, you know, whoever the marketing uh, sources is, is kind of controlling and in charge of. So credit to uh, you guys for, for being willing to do that. You know, Daryl, you bring up a, a great point on being willing to flex, right? And reallocate to get past a particular roadblock. What are some of the key uh, triggers? What can, what, when she comes to you, cause I love Allison, right? When, when Allison comes to you, if there's a block in the pipeline, if there's a, a block in being able to get past a goal, what does she need to bring to you in order for you to feel comfortable reallocating the funds so that the business can move forward? Like, are there, is there a key, are there key metrics? Is it, you know, are there key words? Is it sitting down and walking through the, the blocks with you? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. Um, so it depends on the situation, but it, and for me, it invariably boils down, down to numbers. And uh, so we have a dashboard of uh, early business indicators where we track, you know, by accounts and organizations, what our funnel looks like. And if we see that, you know, um, you know, fortunately at this, 
I mean, we don't seem to be have it seems to be pretty predictable. But, uh, you know, when we are thinking about experimenting with new things to grow that pipe, taking a look at, you know, what it might cost and uh, talking through the numbers, it's really just about getting comfort with the numbers, understanding the risks. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's for a CFO, it's about it's about the, the numbers. And if you have history to uh, like some kind of trend that's very helpful, putting it in the context overall so that there's a story starting with like kind of like, you know, basically a pitch, like what's your recommendation and then what's the support underneath and getting comfortable and deciding what the risk level is. And uh, you, many times bringing more people into the discussion, because if you're going to reallocate funds from somewhere else in the organization, um, that's not uh, it's not just for the two of us to talk about. It's for the wider executive team to talk about on all of us getting behind the decision. I love that. Yeah, I, I love uh, for Becky to jump in. Uh, Becky, you have a really interesting question around um, the view of marketing budget and budget is really where the CFO comes in. Like that's, you own it. You want to talk about it. You, you know, ultimately, if you feel comfortable, you're dropping, dropping the budget in there. So Becky, do you want to just share your question and, um, and also share what you do? Sure. Um, so right now I'm a consultant, but I will say this question comes from um, really previous roles I've had where when we've been doing the, the annual budgeting, um, people look, especially in startups, right? So everybody wants to give the budget to engineering and here's the new initiative that they're building. And then when marketing comes along and says, hey, well, that's great. You're going to be building this product. So what are we going to do for the go-to-market for that? And it's like, no, 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 no. you got to put together your business case to support why marketing needs that budget. And you're like, well, you just said product can hire another 50 people. So how are we going to actually talk about these great successes that the company's done? Um, the way I like to think of it is, hey, if we have these major initiatives, there should be an automatic percentage which is assigned to marketing's budget for to be able to support that. Um, and I just love to learn more about how you manage that and how you view it. Yeah, I can, I can hop in. Uh, it's a good question. So look, I do, th I, I empathize with marketers because I do feel like they're always uh, fighting the uphill battle of why they need to spend the extra dollar. I can, in my head, I can compute headcount. I understand like that makes sense to me and I can compute salespeople and ramp and quotas and all the rest. The more incremental marketing dollar is harder for me to understand, despite having done this for a long time. So it's always an uphill battle. The, the good news is, um, I think anyways, there are benchmarks, you know, in, in, at least in my industry, right? There's benchmarks in SaaS of what, you know, typical marketing budgets looks like and even split out within the different departments if you need to do that. So I always have a kind of guiding principle of what I think is normal and doesn't mean that that's where we go, but it means that I, I have a baseline understanding we always have historical spend and we always have a percent of kind of bookings or revenue. Or sometimes you can look at net new bookings as a way to kind of grok what marketing spend should be. But I do think like it's, it is a challenge to maybe orient around with the CMO and with the team. Like, what do you guys think is the right benchmark? Meaning either you just agree on a set number makes my life a lot easier or it's kind of event driven and you can dive in and dive out obviously that approach gives more flexibility, but creates more angst for me to be able to do that. That comes with the trust and the understanding of the programmatic uh, spend as we, we talked about. So I do use benchmarks, but if we want to get into more agile uh, flex, that requires a, a deeper, deeper level understanding of, again, what you're trying to achieve 
And obviously getting ahead of that, speaking up at a budget planning process when we're talking about product launches and you know bringing on 10 or 20 new salespeople, what that means for marketing, getting ahead of that helps me quite a bit. Usually where I find I get trapped is when we're behind on pipeline or like, you know, the product is already launched and we're kind of catching up on marketing. And that's where it's harder for me, obviously, to unlock funds. So the earlier, the better. Yeah. Jill, Daryl. Yeah. So that that's interesting. Um, I guess not, not, I, I, I think I'm in an industry where, um, or that maybe uh, we're luckier that we have the, the historical data available. Uh, but um, we, uh, so the way I think about planning is it's, it's like a roller rolling quarterly uh, plan cycle we have where we do a complete uh, uh, budget literally every quarter. So we, we have like a top down model uh, where, you know, it's a smaller set of the executive that comes up with the long range targets. So it's like a five year thing. And, uh, you know, we bring that back down to the earlier uh, milestones, like in the next, uh, call it six quarters ahead of us. And so we're always going out this extra added tacking on an extra quarter at the end. And the first, first number we think about is, is, is sales. What's our growth going to be? The second number we think about is our, our growth constraint, which is cash. Do we have the cash? Where's the cash coming from? Do we have enough cash? Um, and then we fill in the blanks between there. And the first number after those are sorted, we go to is uh, sales and marketing. Like what's it going to cost to deliver that? And marketing is the first of the two. It's like, where are we going to get our opportunities? And so we look at the historic uh, cost of an opportunity and, uh, you know, we go into some detail there and we look at the different channels and the different uh, campaigns and events we're going to do to generate that. And we put it into kind of like a, a puzzle piece, if you were, like we create a puzzle out of this plan and then we give everyone their puzzle piece and they come back and then we do the bottom up and we iterate. Um, but actually for us, marketing is one of the first groups we go to and it's based on that history um, which we collect in, you know, the data comes out of, of finance. It comes out of the different marketing uh, platforms and combine it together and get to our key business indicators, which are, you know, we report on a, a monthly or weekly basis and compare that to the plan where th those were the drivers. Um, so that's, that's how, that's how we do it. And it's, so long as, you know, marketing is able to present their number to me um, in that context. And um, then it's like, we have no trouble at all because we can see, you know, what was that cost per opportunity going up or down? If it's going up, why? What are we experimenting on? Um, is it coming down? But that's the first number we derive. And then at the end, uh, we, we see what's left over for departments like finance, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it sounds to me like um, just to kind of work that backwards. I mean, it, it sounds like you're really aligning sales and marketing together. And I guess me coming from, I'm a product marketer, so I, I sit more heavily on the product side with my brain. Um, and um, I think quite often when products are being scoped, what uh, product managers aren't doing is actually scoping what that impact will be to sales. So almost what I'm hearing from you is, hey, if they want to build and launch a product, what they also need to do is look at what does this mean from our overall sales? How will that be impacted for us to then think about how, you know, what revenue they will be bringing in from that release? Yep. Yeah. Well, well let me ask you this. Have any one of you, this is a yes or no question. 
Uh, I know it depends is a, is a favorite uh, response, but it, this is a yes and no question. Has any one of your CFOs put money in marketing when the sales numbers were going down? Put more ooh, money ooh. in marketing. Ooh, 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 me. Absolutely. Gilded. Gilded. Me. Okay, well... Spill the beans, like why and how and what happened, what what because that is not standard. Like how many of the see the marketers here are like I literally saw Mudasar like just fall off his chair and get back up. Like so that is not real. So talk to us, like how, why? Oh my gosh, when COVID hit, Deanna oh. and I, we huddled and she she thought because of course that's your experience in the past. I know many of you. Um, if not, everyone has had that opportunity. And she was like, so the pandemic, I'm like, keep going, keep going. This level playing field, your footprint can get bigger because other people are going to get scared and they're going to go hide in the corner. And so we're going to be loud and proud and we are going to not miss a beat. And I just think that that is a vital, vital piece is when things get hard, oh my gosh, leave your marketing people alone and don't touch sales and, you know, drive, you know, really, really make sure that, you know, your other metrics are super tight cost of sales. We did an enormous amount of very uncomfortable things in the pandemic. And we all experienced layoffs, pay cuts across our organization, but we did not touch the marketing budget. Whoa. Again, on that, because I think, you know, Jill and I did a talk, we have a lot of content, and I just want to validate the fact that Jill being a visionary in that way enabled, you know, the COVID created more of a level playing field and not having your budget cut, but being given the grace to kind of keep moving forward, gave us the opportunity to reframe and reposition and take advantage, right? And be in a different position as we exit, you know, if we're exiting, as we are moving towards exiting out of COVID and what a tremendous business strategy right, that that was, and that was really about aligning marketing and moving it from a functional pipeline creation and really understanding its business strategic driver. So I just wanted to give Jill a shout out on that. Well, we both both came to that conversation, what was ironic, you know, with level playing field, that was exactly how both of us saw it, you know, where, you know, other people are not going to do what we're going to do. So thus, the big boys who have much more marketing budget, much many more dollars to spend, um, that we can you know line up against that. I see a couple questions. Was that successful? And I'm super excited to talk about that. Yes. So what we saw from a journey um, in our company was a bit of panic in March. Um, We started eyeing it up in February. I remember the HR um, director and I looking at that and going, I think there might be something going on here. And then by March, you know, we were all work from home. Again, level playing field. You guys, we hit our bottom in May. And I sat there and I told our company on company meetings, I said, I think we're there. We had several clients pause. And we had several clients not renew. 
but you guys, we have some very relevant clients, technology, security, things like that in the tech industry that was extremely relevant. And so we just moved through it and we really had, you know, a very, very small decline last year. And by June, we completely were climbing out. And so it really was successful. And we were, you know, nervous, of course, but, you know, we truly did not rock in the corner. We stood up and said, okay, we got this. And I remember those conversations with Deanna very fondly because how interesting she had just joined our company and, you know, that we both came to that conversation saying, level playing field, let's go. So it was really great. Cool. I, I'll uh, I'll chime in saying right. It, it's a good question on kind of uh, sales or dipping, and uh, I mean, I guess we probably all went through it in COVID. But um, if you think about it from the CFO seat, right? Um, outside of outside of layoffs, let's say that we don't, you know, nobody wants to do. Your options are to 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 reduce costs, right, in line with where kind of revenue is. Your options are to pause on hiring. Uh, you know, stop any kind of travel and TE, which wasn't as relevant during COVID, but that's the typical and marketing, right? Because at least in my business and kind of enterprise SaaS, headcount is about two thirds of our budget. So if you think about what's actually discretionary, uh, it starts to narrow down to a small list, and marketing is a big item of that. So I'm out of, you know, I, I, I look at my list of bullets that I have um, to kind of bring costs in line, and marketing's on that list. So that's the challenge, right? Um, but I think from my seat in terms of like how I think about marketing spend, it's also, it's also like not in its own box, right? It's, it's a, do I spend in marketing or do I spend in sales or other parts of the business, but particularly with sales, um, this is where you get into, at least in my opinion, where you get into kind of the, the CAC to LTV uh, numbers and other metrics that prove or help prove maybe where the most efficient dollar goes in to help the go-to-market engine. So if, if there's a common understanding around like investment in marketing gets me X and either pipeline or new business, whatever, whatever the funnel looks like, and that's a more efficient use of my dollar than into sales, even in harder times, that's where I'm going to put the money. And that's, you know, and if we don't have that common understanding, common model, I'm either just going to pause it all together or I'm going to like rebuild the sales team kind of over time and, and put, so I think that's, that's how I thought it. And certainly, you know, during COVID was an interesting time because we didn't know what the hell was going on. So like when the future is uncertain, you know, that, that that's a whole other wrinkle, but in normal, just like you're having just normal dips, um, marketing is your way out. And particularly it gives you the kind of those like why I love pipelines so much. It is those green shoots indicators of what's to come, right? You guys are more futuristic than anyone else, uh, except, except maybe the CEO who's the visionary, but you know, so you can, you can provide the CFO a really good lens on kind of like the next quarter. Cause I can then plan around next quarter and nobody else is telling me about next quarter, except for you guys. And so that, you know, we can have that kind of conversation. You can agree to, to pipeline goals with the reinvestment, even in a darker, let's say quarter, I'm well, I'm, I welcome that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, Oliver, you said some really key things in there. Um, it's the it's the metrics. I mean, that's a great way to make your uh, your your case, make your CFO feel more comfortable. 
Um, and and it's, it's, it's the pipeline, but also you mentioned CAC, which is your cost of acquisition. Um, having a firm handle on what your cost of acquisition is and being able to speak to that is, is, is really critical. And I have a really great example. It's not so much about a crisis, but uh, I was in, a, uh, in an organization earlier um, who, uh, you know, we raised a bunch of money and is how are you, how are you going to grow this business? And one of the first places we were going to put it was TV, um, uh, TV and radio. And it's kind of like, well, uh, how is that going to work? Right. So you have, first of all, you have to have a lot of confidence in your marketer to put together a budget for something you've never done before. Um, and uh, the CEO was very skeptical about it because he's a, a digital guy. And so like, what are we doing in this old school kind of marketing stuff? But anyway, the, uh, the, 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 our chief marketing officer made a great case, but most importantly, uh, we had all the measurement tools in place. Um, we had a really good reporting uh, structure. So we were at that point, um, so we, that was a freemium based model. So we would, uh, you know, we would run a campaign and, uh, you know, you get a bunch of people showing up as freemiums, not paying for anything. Uh, are they going to convert to, you know, paying customers? And typically that cycle will take about a year. But marketing had their uh, their engine so together that we could tell within like 10 days based on the behavior of a freemium customer, whether or not they were going to convert. Um, and so it was a fail fast we were really able to do. And so you could invest, you could take a risk on radio. You could take an invest, take a risk and, and watch, watch things happen for a short period of time, not have to wait for a year for the whole conversion cycle to go through, but within a very short period of time, pull the plug or invest more and uh, thereby maximize the uh, return on your investment. Um, and so that gives, that, that, that goes a long way um, to building a bridge with your CFO, knowing, giving the security, you know, that, you know, I mean, you're not going to be sw swimming with sharks. You're, 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 you're taking, you're in there with a, the proper shark suit um, and uh, you're going to, um, you know, come out okay because you got your eye on it and that 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 that's you know having that jar full of marbles right uh, using jill's thing too so it's like uh yeah those numbers so important cost of acquisition a, a firm handle on it and the pipeline and how it all fits together wow well oliver why don't you share more about the billboard like how did that conversation come about what did what happened how did how did you say yeah to like put a billboard out there too going back on daryl's point I'm trying to remember if I actually did say yes. That's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that that is the secret. Don't tell. It. Just do you it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, this is yeah. This is one of those things. It's like, how deep in the budget do you want to go? If you have if you have budget allocation, particularly in brand, right? It's like, well, I had the I had the money. Do I care what you spend it on? No, that's not really my job. But right. So I think probably that's one of those. I actually don't know how much it costs. I should know, but uh, I don't know if I was explicitly told. <laughs> Uh, but actually, I've had other companies that uh, have done billboards too. It's it's always uh, it's always funny to have the conversation about no, this is like the resurgence of how to actually do marketing in the new age. I'm like, really? Are we talking about digital? Um, but um, but no, it's 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 look again when I when I opened, I said left brain, right brain. I'm not right brained, and so uh, not to say billboard. Look. I can be convinced of anything. I've heard all any and all stories from all people, not just marketers. So I can I can I can be convinced <laughs> on uh, any project. But uh, but no, I think uh, part of the fun and challenge is particularly being a CFO at a at a marketing company where we're selling into marketers and we have a, a 
a group of employees who are uh, like-minded to marketers, um, having the appropriate level of flexibility is super important. And so I, I use that as an extreme example of like, man, um, that isn't where I would have you know, put my first dollar, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, they didn't hire me to do marketing, right? For good reason. Uh, so, you know, I, like we always have a chuck on those sort of things. Like if I, if I ran the business the way I wanted to run it, you know, we'd probably be in the ground. So uh, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, that's the level of respect and trust. And, um, you know, I ask questions where, where I can and where it's important. And I try to back away and let people do their jobs too. And you got to have some of that. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one of the things that um, that I, I don't think people appreciate or or have done, and I love really, again, Jill, Oliver, Daryl, just jump in over here, is when marketers come up with their own idea, and I, I've done this with you, Oliver, on a couple of things, and your first question or thought would be like, does Tim, like the, the sales leader, know that? Is he bought into it? Is this something like you guys want to do? So I always felt like, man, if we did stuff where we just come to you together as sales and marketing or sales and product or sales and customer success or whatever it is, and come bring the idea as a group, as a team, does that change how you all think about, oh, there is support there, there is internal uh, movement there. Does that change the way you would respond to something versus like, hey, I got a brand new idea, let's put a billboard out there versus, hey, you know what, we, you know, talk to the sales in San Francisco is a big office. We want to put right in front of our competitor's office, uh, right? So that they wake up every morning looking at that thing and the sales team is all excited about it. That would change your perspective. I'm curious how to pitch to a CFO, you want more budget, either individually or as a group or as an idea. Well, I think um, personally, Deanna lives and dies by the one team, one dream, and it's vital. And you know, old school. I talk about it a lot because I think that this whole thing is evolving and that, you know, marketing sales, one motion, we all own it. You know, um, our company, we try and not drown in attribution. Yes, attribution is important to CFOs so that we know where we should spend our money, but we also can't trip over ourselves. So when sales is on board, you have to have that idea that, okay, they're going to be handed something that will ultimately be successful. And if we're all responsible for it, ultimately the end result, we're all pulling the rope in the same direction. Sales should not want anything to fail in marketing. They should support all of it. And we have a really interesting um, piece of our company. And you know, it is actually putting our model out there. And it's a part of marketing, but very interesting that I've never seen. Well, there's a cost to it, no matter how you look at it. And so, you know, there is no one in sales talking about that. I promise they're only looking for, you know, leads, pipeline, et cetera. They don't want to talk about what is going on to get our model out there, which actually drives an mm -hmm. enormous amount of leads, but you may not be able to touch it because those are the things that billboards are like, where you can't really get your arms around it because you're just putting the model out there. So you have to have a marketer who understands both sides. Sales, yes, but share a voice and getting yourself out there is also vitally important. And what did I say? It's squishy. Yeah. 
I'm stuck on the billboard piece here. So do y'all model like, okay, like estimate maybe 10,000 cars see this a day. So that means that we have 10,000 potential impressions, right, that are driving around San Francisco or wherever. And that like maybe X percentage of those will come to our website and convert in some capacity. Like, is, is that even in a spreadsheet anywhere? Well, I can't speak to Oliver and his <laughs> but I'll tell you when I was at the gym, we ran our billboards from December 1st until February 28th, every freaking year, all over the valley. I mean, you couldn't drive on a freeway in Phoenix, Arizona, without seeing the fact that your New Year's resolution on January 1st was going to be done at Mountainside Fitness. Now, I could never quantify that ever, but it made absolute logical sense to me just from the nature of what we all know as human beings first, what we do on January 1st and health and, you know, all of that, like I could just get behind it. And, you know, then year over year, we have the metrics to support it. So I, I'm, that has nothing to do with Oliver and his very unique spending <laughs> on a billboard for a SaaS product. Well, that I, should I be the title of this, like CFOs, you know, paying for it's, billboards. It's a, good, it's a good case study, right? Because it stretches stretches our brain or my brain anyways in a, in a direction that uh, is uncomfortable. But uh, I will tell you, a prior company I worked at had uh, billboards in airports and people still to this day talk about it because they remember it like you're you're traveling. It's like a business, like back when travel was a thing, right? And man, and, and I, I will also say in defense of billboards or you know that kind of matter, the employees loved it. Like it was a huge thing for employees. It was like I mean just a brand builder for us and like their their status and whatever. And you know, so I put some value on that. It's harder for me to model that in my in my spreadsheet, but. Um, Anyways, so in defense of that, but no, it's a fun little exercise to think about. You know, what's interesting about the billboard is you can apply some data logic to it. So imagine it, depending upon where you want to place it, if you've done a heat map of either where your customers or where your employees are. So now you have a data sample of who's in that region that could potentially see it. And then to your point, if you were to think about your NPS, your net promoter score, and marry it into the survey and be able to see what your brand visibility is. There are data points that say that a strong brand can also command a higher um, price. So there's, no. there's good data points to connect. Back to that billboard, Oliver. So <laughs> I didn't think billboard was going to take the cake on this whole thing, but uh, like, I think this is a good plug for Justin Keller who runs uh, the entire brand strategy, um, you know, at Terminus, he's going to be on one of the panels coming up. Uh, in a, in a, uh, Eden, I don't know, is that in the next couple of weeks? When is that? Because we can ask that question to him because yeah, he has... ask him now. I'd be interested to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's happening in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he'll uh, actually, uh... Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. He'll be on an ECMO event uh, in okay. the next couple of weeks in, in May. In May. All right. So we can we can ask that and report back on it. Uh, Jake, you had a question that I wanted to pull back on. Could you just jump in and share what, what you were thinking about there? Yeah. So for a company that, you know, is focused on steady growth, you know, that's one type of marketing strategy. You're looking at growing X percent quarter over quarter. Steady growth is the goal. 
That's one type of marketing strategy where you're looking at optimizing for tactics that's working really well, but you're trying to squeeze out more from those campaigns, keep increasing your ROI so your spend keeps getting more and more effective. So if your company is changing to a different strategy, like high, high growth mode, where you're like, all right, we want to do something crazy like 30% growth quarter over quarter, that's a different way to market. You need to identify new channels, new audiences, you know, spend, spend, spend to learn and experiment quickly, where you may not already have the data to pull from to be able to say, all right, I'm kind of expecting this uh, to get this from, from uh, this spend. Um, it's going to impact ROI for the short term. So how do you get your CFO to think about the marketing budget a little bit differently in that case? I particularly think that you go back to the idea where, you know, number one is going to be trust the best information that you can bring to the table. But if you're going to do something different in your situation um, and, you know, go from steady state to rapid, like if you don't have a CFO who would recognize that, you know, that will take something different that you have to be the storyteller. So you first have to market your CFO. And I would think that the relationship um, would be something that you would know going into it, right? Where if you start hearing and you're connected, this is the road we're going to go down, your first marketing campaign may have to be to the CFO. And you know that may not be right, and you may not like it, totally understand. But if that is your situation with your CFO, then you just have to be with it. And you have to recognize that, okay, that is part of my journey is step one is the marketing campaign to the CFO. And if you did the relationship building ahead of time, then that should be somewhat of an easier exercise, which is why I think the silos that do happen in organizations never serve marketing, which is why Deanna can always get me to talk about this because I'm super passionate about it, where I have seen this happen, where marketing's budget is always cut first, they're misunderstood, they're frustrated, you know, how do you expect me to do my job, you know, with no money, and, you know, it's, it's the idea of getting blood out of a turnip, you know, you expect these growth goals, but yet you won't give me anything to achieve it, so that is a day in and day out exercise. You yeah, can't wait I, yeah. until the end. Jill's Jill's 100% right. And if I could build on that by saying, have work with your CFO to get the, the measurement and evaluation tools in there so that you can fail fast, work on it together. Uh, so you're, you're in this together and, uh, you know, keep an eye on it, measure it. You're make like weekly, have your early indicators. I mean, if I can go back to the TV radio example, that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, we made sure we had the measurement tools in place that we understood, uh, you know, what the contribution was to the overall um, pipeline and that, that, you know, they are met, that this kind of uh, feedback or those types of campaigns are measured differently. Um, and how are you going to pick up traces of success and, and what the objective is um, and have regular touch points. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. I'm going to ask everybody to drop in over here. What is the one thing you learned so far from this conversation in the chat? I want to pull that out uh, towards the end. So what? just drop in the one thing you just learned about CFOs. For me, it's like 
Man, CFOs are cool. Like, uh, you know, I think there's a big misnomer around this idea that CFOs are boring, hard scale numbers people and they don't want to have fun. But this like chief fun officer, I think it's going to going to ring a bell there with Oliver. Um, OK, so with, with with that big one, one question that um, that I think Dirk, you asked earlier, Dirk, you want to jump in there? You know, you're a, you're a CMO. You're you're talking to your CFO. Uh, all the time, like what is what what is the question that you talk to you you want to ask to these CFOs? Yeah, thanks, Angram. Because uh, uh, I, I came up uh, the, the first part of the section. I think Oliver talked about it um, about that uh, marketers bring value to a CFO. So I would like to understand better from uh, from the three CFOs. How can marketers uh, provide value? You mentioned already a couple of things, right? Uh, you mentioned that don't manipulate the data. Uh, I, I find that very, very, very interesting, right? Early in my career, I learned about only trust the data you faked. Uh, it's probably not the same concept. Um, uh, but I would really like to understand how can marketers really provide value to CFOs? What are the top three things? My number one thing is, you know, pipeline and closing. Like, I think that I, I when I, we separate where a lead source maybe came from, at the end of the day, for me, the only thing that matters is revenue. And, you know, I really agree with, you know, Oliver indicating we are not the marketers. We have to give latitude and make sure that, yes, there's a budget, but it has to just be bumpers. And so when revenue is churning, there is no way marketing was not a part of it. There is never a moment that you as a CFO can say marketing did not influence that particular sale because there was something, there was content, there was something out there that touched somebody somewhere. And so you have to bring that to the whole equation. And so pipeline and actual revenue is what we talk about, you know, again, the whole one motion, one team, one dream. That's a good one. Um, I, I like that just to, to get the feedback. But I also really like what you said before. Uh, yes, you, you, you look for the influence, but uh, you're not going uh, extremely deep into the attribution. You don't require that level of attribution, which causes a headache every day. Well, how can you market if you're busy trying to report to me on the nitty nitty gritties of what the attribution is? You're looking in the past. So to the point, I think maybe it was Oliver or Daryl, we need you in the next quarter. We need you thinking forward and not worried about the past. I'll say also, um, one of the things I do, um, what I get sucked into it, plus I enjoy doing it is, is um, when, when we as a company are evaluating uh, external vendors and software ourselves, um, you know, I get involved because of the budget and price point negotiation, procurement, all the rest, but like taking that journey alongside, sometimes it's our marketing team buying, sometimes it's others, but like, I know what we sell and that the CFO on the other side has to kind of buy into our software. And that requires a level of understanding commitment and, and longer term ROI. Um, I think Jake, you were asking about this, but like, you know, I, I feel like we have to be as CFO savvy enough to look beyond kind of the instant ROI, think about the long-term investment. And I find like when I buy software myself or involved in that process, 
it helps stretch my understanding and thinking because I'm signing off on whatever it is, a $60,000 investment. And I sure as hell aren't seeing instant ROI. I mean, you know, right. There's, there's just a level of investment that's taken in what we're selling. Uh, and so I kind of have to live and breathe, you know, uh, my own dog food a little bit um, and that our customers have to go through that journey and their CFOs have to go through that journey. And I, I participating in that helps me reflect on having an open mindset and also making investments in things that have a longer term horizon ROI. Love that. I, Dal, I, bring us home. I, I w- Sorry, is it okay if Sanger if I ask a question just real quick? Yeah, well, well we got two minutes. We try to keep it at Temba, so jump in, Sarah. Sorry, uh, I'm actually a salesperson, so I might stand out here, but Oliver <laughs> got me thinking. Um, I sell marketing technology, and I'm, all I'm doing is I'm helping marketers create the case to go to folks that I never talked to, the CFOs. And Oliver, I'm sure, you know, these business cases that people bring to you, these marketers that bring to you, what's the best way a marketer can basically illustrate why this investment makes sense. Like I know you said there's a bunch of different factors, but really quick, if there's one thing that stands out, what what would need to stand out of that business case for you to move forward? Good question. Uh, obviously it depends on the technology, but uh, I'm with Jill. I mean, pipeline and revenue stick out to me as the number one. So tell me what your top three goals are and how this technology helps either double down on that goal, meaning, you know, grow or, or get there faster, I guess. So like speed, or um, acceleration maybe is a very quick way of answering that. And if you can convince me on either of those spectrums, I'd be, I'd be willing to dance. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Daryl, uh, what your final thoughts as we wrap this up? Uh, this was awesome. I think, uh, you know, the relationship between marketing and finance is really important. I'm so happy that you guys, uh, had me out here and that this uh that you guys are eager to learn and, and talk about this and i hope uh, that i've been able to uh, uh provide some help in that regard any kind so thanks awesome. for having me all right well i'll say thank you jill um, oliver and daryl for being here and sharing this and this is probably the first time we had like cfos i'll i'll challenge everybody listening to it i know we recorded this so it will be for the rest of the community as well to just take the time to get to know your cfo like if you have never done that, like go ahead and put like 30 minutes uh, on their calendar and just just get to know what's what's making what's keeping them up at night, what's driving them and figure out how you could actually make their lives easier. Um, I honestly felt like if more marketers did that, the conversation that happens at the very last minute where you're trying to sell them on an idea has already happened on many other conversations where it doesn't even feel like you're selling on an idea. You actually are moving together in a direction where you want to move the company. So my big challenge to everybody is just spend more time with your CFO and whatever you spend is not enough. So spend a little bit more, more than that. So again, Jill, Oliver, Daryl, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.